it's the first frame of the first movie that was ever a full, every frame minted film. So I think there is some sort of historical value. It's just a little bit cool to potentially own that frame. Welcome to FinTech Confidential, bringing you the people, tech, and companies that change how you pay and get paid. Hey, Ted Huff here from FinTech Confidential. Are you struggling with payment technologies and feeling left behind in the digital commerce revolution? No worries. Let me introduce you to MPC 2023, the premier event for payments leaders. This is your chance to shake hands and rub shoulders with the world's top experts in payments, loyalty, blockchain, digital currencies, cybersecurity, consumer privacy, and other emerging fintech solutions, connecting you directly with the future of commerce. And if you haven't already, mark your calendars for August 23rd through the 25th and join me and Fintech Confidential at the Westin Atlanta Perimeter North. Now here's the best part. When you sign up for Fintech Confidential notifications, you will receive a discount up to 100% off. Yeah, you heard it right, up to 100% off. So what are you waiting for? Sign up now at www.fintechconfidential.com forward slash notifications. Don't let the future of commerce pass you by and join me at MPC in Atlanta from August 23rd through the 25th, where it's all about the movement of money. Ashley, welcome to the show. Ted, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. So for those who don't know, um, Ashley owns ASM Media, which is a multimedia production company and has most recently decided to jump into the NFT space with one of their feature films that they just released not too long ago. And we'll dive into that a little bit deeper, but they really focus on the art side of the house, which I love um, and it's near and dear to my heart. And with fintech rapidly evolving and the industry being so different, we're starting to push boundaries on one area being the NFTs or non-fungible tokens. And Ashley has a unique way that he has introduced this into his film. And we're going to see a lot of these things happen in our day-to-day -day lives, and it just continues to expand. And it really isn't about just financial platforms anymore. Ashley, I want to jump in and just kind of give everybody a little bit of a flavor of how a writer, producer gets into the NFT side. And, you know, I typically call it the falling into fintech. How did you fall into NFTs. I have young kids. They were probably around 9, 10, 11 at the time. They downloaded TikTok. And um, so I was like, you know, I need to download it as well. Lo and behold, the algorithm starts giving me a whole bunch of NFT and crypto content. And I was sort of familiar with it before, but um, but that was definitely the thing that sort of kicked it off for me, Todd. So can you tell me about your overarching experience with NFTs to this point? So literally zero experience. I mean, as a filmmaker, um, it's something that I started to hear about. I run my own podcast at sellingyourscreenplay.com and I started to see some films come through my desk where 
they the producers had created a bunch of artwork for the film, but it was all done before the film was created. Those, those were coming across my desk, and some of them were succeeding. They were raising money. Again, this was sort of in the, the bubble of the NFT space, but that was sort of how I started to first really interact with NFTs in the film world and see what NFTs were, were actually doing with the film producers. I can imagine that some of these filmmakers or screenwriters are very artistic and and they're very particular about the types of things that they want to put out in the marketplace. How did you see that? And what's your perspective on being very strict on the stuff that goes out there? I think as a screenwriter, you have to get used to the fact that nothing you write is particularly um, cherished by anybody other than yourself. We as screenwriters go into these things that things are not precious. I mean, the, the way Hollywood works is, and it, it, this is all businesses, the people that control the money control the power. The producer is the one that raises the money and the producer is the one that has the last say on these things. And I see this, I've listened to screenwriting podcasts and talked to other screenwriters. We're always very annoyed that they change our script or they release something that we don't think is quite in line with it. But unfortunately, that's the nature of the business. Films are very expensive to produce. And unless you're the one that's going to raise the money, then you're not going to be the one that makes a lot of these creative choices. So I doubt that the screenwriters had any um saying whatsoever in what was released. So when you start looking, you have ICOs, you have uh, NFTs. There are a number of other different routes that people have gone to raise money. How did you become interested in incorporating them into the Rideshare Killer Project? I think for me, what I tried to do was put myself in the shoes of a film fan. I mean, as a filmmaker, I got into filmmaking because I'm a film fan. I love movies. So that's really what I started to think about was what would I like as a film fan? And for me, I grew up in the 80s. Star Wars was a really impactful movie on my life as a kid. We loved to go and get these Star Wars cards, collect them, trade them with our friends at school. And so that's sort of the 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 moment when I was thinking back to my own childhood. I still have this little, it's a little box just still sitting on my shelf box from first grade of these Star Wars cards. And every now and then I will look through them. And that's what I think is cool for film fans. It's these frames from the movies. You can relive the films. You can trade them with your friends. So that was really sort of the moment for me was, what does a film fan want? Are they going to be interested in artwork created to help raise money for the film? Maybe there might be some interest in that stuff. But I think as a film fan, we want moments from the film so that we can share them with our friends, relive those moments, trade them with our friends. Um, to me, that's the value. So diving in a little bit over into the technical side of the house, not dealing with NFTs a lot, learning about them coming in, but with an engineering focus, what challenges or obstacles have you encountered in the entire process of incorporating these NFTs into your project? And how did you overcome them? So my background, I've worked professionally as a lab developer, but it's definitely very web 2.0 is, is what that is. It's not web 3.0. I mean, because I had that development background, I'm the one that actually sat down and actually figured out how to mint all of these. And one of the things I'll say as a web 2 developer, you get these APIs from, let's say, Amazon, and they're very reliable and they're very consistent in the results that they produce. If you send them a bad command, they'll give you a proper error message. One of the things I found working with with the blockchain was it just it doesn't quite work like this always available 
on-demand server. And I'll give you an example. We were minting most of these about a year ago. And so crypto was sort of coming down. The altcoins were really fluctuating up and down, mostly down. So we minted on Polygon. And I think when we started, it was $1.40. It went all the way down to about 35 cents over these four months. So it's going way, it's going up and down, up and down, mostly down. I could tell the days we were trying to mint where there was a lot of you know uncertainty price instability. We wouldn't even get error messages back. Now we're doing it in a real cumbersome way through a, uh, in a web or a, a browser interface on Rarible. But I could definitely tell there is still some sort of rough edges. As a developer, I think there's still a lot of rough edges with the Web3 that need to sort of be figured out. How do you develop something? I mean, that's just, it's not going to work if a restaurant is ready to bill somebody and right. the network is too slow. It's like, it's just, you need or for something to be really commercially viable. It needs to be really reliable. Those are, those are some of the things, challenges I see for Web3 development. When you're running into these issues of network availability, lack of response, how did you, how did you overcome them? How did you work through that? I mean, being, being an engineering focused and developer, how did you work yourself through that? Because it's not finite like you talked about, mm -hmm. right? Like if you're using AWS, very, very specific. How did you work through that ambiguity? I guess at the end of the day, you would do you do it the same way you would do it with an unreliable API. And essentially, you just have to build more and more error patching on your program side. So if it doesn't give a response in three minutes, it just starts a new loop and tries again. If it doesn't catch it after, you know, three, three minute intervals, it just pauses for a while and 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 maybe sends a text message to me saying, hey, the, the mentor is stuck. So you just have to build a lot of error patching on your side to do to to go through all of these different eventual possibilities with with the network and different errors. I mean, they do give you some errors, but they're just they're not always reliable. And a lot of times, as I said, it just never came back and never told you whether it minted it or didn't mint it. You kind of just didn't know. And when you're doing this in an automated system, again, it's just a matter of just looping through mm -hmm. until you get a consistent message. Yeah, that was one of the things at the end of the project, we had to go back and delete all the duplicates. There were definitely some duplicate minute frames because it couldn't tell whether it minted it. So it just went and minted it again. Um, and then we just had to go back and again, programmatically, you can go back through the blockchain and figure out which were the ones that were double minted and delete those, just burn those out. So you mentioned something that kind of comes into a lot of people's brains when people think, those who aren't around it, that haven't done a lot of education in their minds, an NFT is a JPEG that somebody paid money for. How you, you mentioned duplicates. How do you ensure the authenticity and the uniqueness of each of your NFTs? I think you can just go on Polyscan and you can start to dig into the actual blockchain and you can see. I'm really not sure as I haven't done a lot of digging into that. I can't remember now exactly how we do it did it, but um, there is an API that Rarible offers and you can go through a, a specific collection. And we just programmatically went through the collection and then checked reference to see which frames were duplicates. And then we just went and actually, I think manually burned them. I might've automated that process, but there wasn't a ton of duplicates. So we might've just, but that's really the bottom line. We programmatically went through it and I I hope some of your listeners will potentially do that. Go through Polyscan and, and send me an email, you know, info at sellingyourscreenplay.com. If you find a duplicate, do send me an email. Um, it's quite possible that, that we might miss one or two duplicates here. I don't think so, because as I said, it was done programmatically. And the, the API from Rarible, it is an API and it is 
fairly robust and reliable. And so you can go in and this, because you're not actually interacting with the, you're not minting through this API. You're just scanning. You're just viewing the actual blockchain, this API. Can I say that as a hundred percent? I swear on my life that there's none that have been minted twice. But to be perfectly honest with you, I sort of thought if there's one or two or three frames that got minted twice and they're out there for sale, you know, that's kind of like, the secret, you know, it's like a little secret Easter egg for somebody to go and yeah. collect. They have the only three frames that got minted twice. It seems to be different and because I haven't seen this happen a lot um, in NFT projects is that you have a feature-length film that every single frame has been minted as an NFT. Just help us out, like, how many frames is that and why all of the frames? So you can do some pretty quick math. It's a film is roughly 25 frames per second. So you're talking an 84 minute movie, which is the rideshare killer. It's literally 119,000, 171,000 frames. So just call it 120,000 frames. You talk to some of these Marvel movies, Star Wars movies, two hours, two hours and 30 minutes talking 200,000 frames or more Whoa. of some of these things. Yeah, yeah. So so it's a good number of frames. Now, again, um, what was the, I'm sorry, so what was the second part of your question? Well, just, that's a lot of frames, right? Mm -hmm. And and like, what was the, what was the idea behind doing all of the frames and not just the really cool scenes or that yeah, yeah. one shot where the, you know, you see the killer mm -hmm. or that, 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 you know, the, the trailer moments, I guess, is the way that I would describe it. Yeah, yeah. So I had a fellow on my podcast that had minted a bunch of frames from his movie, a real artistic guy. And I think he had done about 20 frames. And I literally asked him, I said, well, why didn't you mint every frame? And this is a real artist. And so he had those sort of artist, you know, reactions, which is some of the frames are blurry. Some of the frames are out of focus, but, you know, some of the frames are too dark. But as I was listening to him talking, I sort of felt like, you know, part of the ethos of crypto is let the fans decide. It's not top mm -hmm. down. The director doesn't decide what are the frames that are going to be cool. The, the fans decide what are the frames oh, yeah. going to be cool. So that's really part of the idea. We're going to mint every frame. Some of the main ever sells. The first frame of pretty much every movie is going to just be a black card. So literally, that's what our first frame is. It's just a nice. black card. And so I thought that was, I thought that was a little bit of, it's audacious, you know, to mint this thing. Now, for our standpoint, it's the first frame of the first movie that was ever a full, every frame minted film. So I think there is some sort of historical value. It's just a little bit cool to potentially own that frame. Um, but that's sort of the ethos of crypto is how I felt. Let the fans decide is what the fans think is cool. When you look at the fans deciding what is cool, what's not cool, what they like, what they don't like. In my mind, I go back and I remember watching the the movie Blow when my wife and I were, were, were dating. And there's this scene where you can see the grip's shadow in the background holding the microphone. And it's huh. just short. I mean, it's yeah. probably like, probably 10 or 15 frames. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's super short. So like, if you don't have an eye for like weird things in movies, in mm -hmm. films, it's like you wouldn't catch it. And so in my mind, as we're talking about this, I'm sitting here thinking, how neat would it be to have those frames when the person mm -hmm. that is there that isn't supposed to be there is that uniqueness? To me, that's mm -hmm. unique. And other people's, and I can imagine the director going, 
oh my God, that is so embarrassing. Like, exactly. But so I totally I can... agree with you. People would. And that's the thing is if we look at these as digital trading cards, exactly what you're saying is, you know, there's going to be some people that are into these little continuity errors, you know, and they're going to get, they're going to go and they're going to collect a bunch of these trades and they're going to bring them to a party and they're going to have them on their phone and they're going to show, hey, you remember this movie? Oh, yeah. Well, did you know it's got this little you know, the grip is in the back where exactly. the shadow of the grip and they're going to show it things. And again, it's just a way of reliving the movie and sharing that movie experience with your friends. But absolutely, there's going to be a million ways. I had never thought of that as a, you know, a potential collection, but absolutely. There'll be people that collect continuity hairs. Oh, look, you know, in this frame, her hair is like this, but then in the next frame, her hair is, you know, calm the other direction, you know, or, oh, she's wearing a jacket in this frame. And then two frames later, she's not wearing a jacket. Like those, those will be things that people definitely collect. They're just fun. They're fun ways of, of interacting with the movie, sharing it with your friends, showing them something, learning something new about it. Get, those are like the little Easter eggs. People that are real fans of a specific movie, they get into those little Easter eggs. Absolutely. The director would never want those frames released, but for sure the fans, the fans would want them released. So in what ways do you see the whole idea of NFTs enhancing the viewer experience and creating new forms of engagement with the content and new distribution of the content as you incorporate these functionalities of, of NFTs into the project. Hey, Ted Huff here from FinTech Confidential. Are you struggling with payment technologies and feeling left behind in the digital commerce revolution? No worries. Let me introduce you to MPC 2023, the premier event for payments leaders. This is your chance to shake hands and rub shoulders with the world's top experts in payments, loyalty, blockchain, digital currencies, cybersecurity, consumer privacy, and other emerging fintech solutions, connecting you directly with the future of commerce. And if you haven't already, mark your calendars for August 23rd through the 25th and join me and Fintech Confidential at the Westin Atlanta Perimeter North. Now here's the best part. When you sign up for Fintech Confidential notifications, you will receive a discount up to 100% off. Yeah, you heard it right, up to 100% off. So what are you waiting for? Sign up now at www.fintechconfidential.com forward slash notifications. Don't let the future of commerce pass you by and join me at MPC in Atlanta from August 23rd through the 25th, where it's all about the movement of money. So I think the first one, and then we're starting to see this, and we did not do it with our field, just really for technical reasons where I'm still sort of learning about how all of this works. But I think the first thing people are going to do is if you own one of these NFTs, there would be some sort of a website you could go and log in with your NFT, and then you can just view the movie. You know, there'll be some sort of like distribution, get the NFT, and that essentially becomes your digital key to watching that movie. And obviously Disney or than Star Wars movies, the Marvel movies, they have huge fan bases. So there would be some utility in this. So I definitely see that as a, a potential piece going forward. There's also, as I was going through this, you know, there's this whole issue of rights. You know, what rights are you actually giving up with the NFT? I went to a conference down in LA and the Board at Yacht Club kept coming up. It was, it was mentioned often the way they release the rights to the, to the owners of the NFT. So the person that owns 
that specific age, at least my understanding was they can then go out and actually try and exploit those rights and create oh, yeah. you an ad with their particular age. And so I do think there's a potential, especially maybe not for Disney. I mean, Disney is so, you know, they really like to keep <laughs> control of every, every yeah. little bit of their, their IP. But, you know, for somebody like myself, an independent filmmaker, I can see releasing some of these rights, you know, so that people could make toys or t-shirts, you know, it just becomes another way to sort of market your film. So often I'm wandering around Los Angeles and you see Dodger t-shirts or Lakers t-shirts. And I just, I often think what a great business model where the Dodgers are literally getting people to spend, you know, $35 on a t-shirt to advertise their business. So I can see doing something like that with a film project where you create some sort of a NFT and you are allowed to then use the, the, the NFT you have. If you've got, you know, the logo or the, or a particular character, maybe you could mint that or maybe you can print that on a t-shirt and actually commercially exploit it. So I think there's some potentials with that sort of stuff. Just we're going to get into some rights and I don't know exactly where all it's going to go, but I can definitely see some possibilities. People will get creative and come up with some sort of new ways to push these things. When you look at using NFTs in film projects, what do you see as the most exciting aspect when it comes to attribution and or inclusion of the entire team, everything from the cast, the crew, the, the, the engineers, the audio engineers, the editors, I mean, the whole, I mean, the whole team, what are some of the potential ways you see these NFTs evolving the interaction and or inclusion of those teams? So I do think that we want to be real careful here and as someone that's been in the film industry for many, many, many years, one of the things we want to be real careful about is not finding another way to exploit the cast and crew. And what I have seen feels like the other side, the, the exploitation side so far. And I'm not saying you couldn't come up with some very good ways of using things, but I'll give you an example. Over the last year, I've heard some DAOs, some filmmaking DAOs, and there was a guy on TikTok pushing this one. And it goes to some of what you're saying, this idea of it being inclusive and, and giving more money to the cast and crew. Why does Tom Cruise get, you know, $40 million and his makeup artist only gets $400 a day? Like, why, why is there that disparity? And the, 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 the fact of the matter is there are some real reasons why there is that disparity. And the people that go into the film business, for the most part, they accept that hierarchy. Um, and not only accept it, they kind of relish it. They like being close to fame and fortune. And they hope that one day they're the ones on the receiving end of all of that adulation. So mm -hmm. I, I don't think that you're really solving a problem by creating a film DAO that is potentially going to give more money to the crew. I saw some of these DAOs coming up and the way it felt to me was because you know, let's be honest, these NFTs are not going to, most, for most independent films, these NFTs are not going to be worth any money. So I could see this happening, but I would hate for producers to go out to their cast and crew. Oh, look, this move, this Marvel movie just sold these NFTs for a thousand dollars each. You know, we're going to print NFTs and I'm going to give you, you know, a hundred of these NFTs. So you're going to make like $50,000, but you're not going to get any help from pay. And then they make the movie, they work for no from pay. They go to sell these NFTs and there's no market. And so I just, again, as someone who's worked in independent film 
mostly on the low end of the filmmaking business. We want to be real careful that this doesn't become just another way to offer deferred pay. And when you say deferred pay in the film business, that basically means you're never getting paid. We just got to be really careful with um, with what how we offer these things. And cast and crew need to be be really have their eyes wide open when a producer comes and offers the NFTs. I can tell you too, I went out to my cast and crew and for the most part, I had one guy. I mean, the number of people that work on a film like this, you're probably talking, you know, 50 people, 60 people. Mm-hmm. And I only had one person out of those 60 people that actually wanted the NFTs. I was willing to give them, you know, I, I'm happy to give NFTs to, to the cast and crew, but only one person actually wanted them. So again, I think we should, I could see it being useful and I can see someone trying to create it now for the cast and crew. And if they're, they're ethical and, and it could potentially work, but um, just be real careful if you're on the receipt. Yeah. And I guess I, I'm, I'm looking at it from more of the perspective of the capabilities of, of the blockchain that are tied into these NFTs and all the different things you could do and maybe going a little bit beyond NFTs. And in my, I, I, I typically do this a lot. So if I look at the NFTs, I see the NFTs being a subset of the bigger project. And if you were to have the entire film on chain, and then you have a smart contract that is aligned with that film that then ties to the NFTs that have their own smart contracts and kind of looking to the waterfall similar, I mean, not, not getting outside of the hierarchy that you were talking about, but leveraging the technology to give an immutable acknowledgement and or financial waterfall throughout the whole teams. The rideshare killer may continue to be just a cult classic that, you know, there's a handful of people that, and I shouldn't say handful, but there's comparatively to a Marvel movie, I guess it would be a handful, right? Mm -hmm. That are just diehard lovers of the movie. And then 10 years from now, it becomes one of those things that gets played like Rocky Horror Picture Show. And so now it, there's this whole thing that goes along with it and how cool and like this is this is me being the optimist side of it, right? How mm-hmm. cool would it be that if something that these actor that these actors and actresses and and the whole crew are like I did this for the love of film and now I'm 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 getting taken care of and I don't even have to worry about it because it's all in an immutable record. Mm-hmm. It's it's all there. So if it happens, I don't have to worry about ABC person cutting me out. I don't have to think about these things. So I mean, I'm I just rambled on there, but mm-hmm. into my mind, I'm looking at these things as being a way to ensure you get paid, not to be a form of not getting paid or deferred uh, funding. Yeah. And again, I just, I want to just emphasize the fact that the, the, the problem with, with what you're proposing is that everybody in the film business is an optimist. We're all dreamers. That's why we got into the film business. So the problem is I feel like people just, you know, they, they, the producers will have a few shiny examples that they will point to. And what it will actually do is it will make people think, Oh, I got to take this deferred pay in case this is the next, you know, big thing. And so they'll take, 
less than they would normally take. And the reality is like the rideshare killer, I'm not exaggerating here. There's probably at this point, thousands of movies per year that are at the level of the rideshare killer. Most of them go absolutely nowhere. So it's, I just feel like as dreamers, people will put too much emphasis in the potential of this thing, as opposed to the reality that you really should take the money up front so you can buy, you know, your lunch. But to your point, I don't disagree with you is that if you set up something, there is that waterfall that can, can, can stream through and exactly what you're talking about. I mean, if everything is sold with the NFTs, the whole financial distribution, if the only way you can watch this movie is by buying an NFT, going to the website, logging in with the NFT, then you know how many movies are sold. All the accounting is done for you. And precisely what you're saying is then you can create an actual model and you can point to not just a shining you know, outlier, you could point to some more, you know, hey, yeah, these people didn't get rich, but this movie was a modest hit and you didn't have to worry about it. And I absolutely agree with that point. We're just not there yet. And I can tell yeah. you, like, going through this project, like, I think in Rare, like, their smart contract, uh, just technically, I was not up to the task of hiring a developer, writing my own smart contract and that mm -hmm. sort of stuff. So I just used the Rareable standard one. I think they give you a couple of options. Um, but, you know, it's going to take some more real digging in and really figuring these things out. Um, and I think eventually it probably will be. You're probably right. 10 years, it'll be like, you know, 20 years ago, there was no WordPress. So creating a blog was difficult to do. Now you just unpack WordPress. There'll probably be some of these DAOs or some of these, you know, organizations that you can just kind of unroll, put your information in and then create your own NFTs and, and your own website and everything else. Um, and exactly what you're saying, you just get everybody's address, all the casting crew, they give you your address, pop it in there. It goes in there and then just divides the money up. And it's not only good for the crew, it's good for the producers, assuming they're not shady. It's good for the producers because <laughs> I can tell you, but I can tell you as a low budget producer, um, you know, the accounting is not nothing. And, and if you do this deferred pay, you know, a lot of times what ends up happening is you're sending actors checks, you know, $3 and 30 cents, you know, a dollar 15. And that just becomes a cumbersome accounting thing. And exactly what you're saying, all of these smart contracts could it could utterly eliminate a lot of that sort of stuff. We've talked about the technical aspects. We've talked about what it means from the artistic perspective. Mm -hmm. We've talked about what it means from the compensation perspective. Uh, what are some things that maybe we left out um, that that maybe I didn't ask? I've been asked this just by by fans and other people that pitched this too, is the idea of making money. You hear so much sort of in the crypto versus our NFT securities, and you have people taking their very valuable NFTs and using them to gain leverage and to, you know, this sort of stuff. My response to that is I think they're I think that's the wrong direction. I really feel like we priced our NFTs at about five dollars. Now we did it again on Polygon, so it's five Matic, so it's up and down a little bit, but we tried to price ours very affordably. So basically anybody could afford one of our frames. And obviously if other films do this, some of the frames will be that more valuable. Some of them will go up in value, just like baseball cards. But that's how I feel like we need to look at these things more like baseball cards or, or, you know, trading cards. And yes, the rookie Jackie Robinson card, of course, is worth a lot of money, but mm -hmm. you know, most baseball cards, they go up in value a little bit, but it's, it's a, it's a cool hobby. It's a cool collectible that is accessible to everyone. And I really hope that at least in the film space, if this does catch on, this idea of every frame mint, it does catch on. I hope people always remember that. 
Um, you know, it should be a cool collectible. It shouldn't be something where these things are worth millions of dollars and we're debating whether these are securities or not. I mean, come on, these should not even, we shouldn't even be in the debate whether these things are securities or not. It's just a cool collectible, man. Don't, don't overthink it. Yeah. And that's a good point you bring up because I look at it and if you look at Reddit, um, they launch their digital collectibles is what they're calling. They're calling them digital collectibles. They're mm -hmm. not calling them NFTs. Um, but it's on a private chain. And so it sits outside of everything. And I think that's, you're going to see some of those things happen. Unfortunately, it gets too far outside of the, the perspective of the idea of being decentralized. And so now it's not portable. You can't move it. You can't use it. You can't share it. You can't do anything mm -hmm. outside of that particular environment. And so this kind of rolls me into the next question that I have is, how are you looking to leverage the NFTs to market the film? And how are you distributing them? And what kind of strategies are you thinking about to to move this idea of leveraging NFTs as a fan favorite collectible. And this is going to be very meta, but you're literally a part of it. A part of the answer to your question is I'm going, trying to get out on crypto podcast and just tell my story so that people will come and watch, watch the movie, get involved. Um, so that's one piece of it. It's just our marketing. We're using it as a cool marketing hook to try and just get some publicity for our movie. In addition to being, you know, the first film to do it, we feel like that's part of our cool marketing hook. The other piece to that is I'm also on the lookout being as I live in Hollywood. I know a lot of producers. I know a lot of film people. I'm on the lookout for uh, a, a film that's maybe a little bit more, a lot, a lot more famous than mine. So if I could find the producers that own the rights to something like the Friday the 13th franchise, you know, and I could go to them and say, listen, let's mint all of those. Friends. That would have enough of PR boost because there's so many Friday the 13th fans out there. So I think that's one of the next pieces I'm going to try and work on is find a film with a real cult following, mint all of those frames and NFTs and just see if I can't get a little more PR. The issue we're having with the Rideshare Killer is this a new movie. It's the first one of a series, hopefully. And um, so we just haven't built that fan base. But this is part of what we're doing. We're just trying to get, do something novel, do something cool, do something that people will talk about so that then people can go to Tubi TV and just watch our movie for free. You have to watch ads, but it is available for free on Tubi TV for anyone to check out. And so this is sort of part of, it's all sort of circular just to drive people back to the movie and create a cool thing that people can talk about. If the audience goes and watches Rideshare Killer, and I'm going to drop all the links, everything in here, so if you Perfect. want to know more about Ashley, if you want to know more about the film, you want to know more about these projects, we're going to have all the links down in the description and show notes. So don't worry, we'll be able to get you guys there. But, you know, they're watching the movie and they want to buy an NFT or they want to to participate and and have a piece of this history because this really is a piece of mm -hmm. history. Mm -hmm. How do they do that? Like, what's what's your suggestion for them? Sure. So we set up a nice little website, the rideshirekiller.com slash NFTs. And that has a little app on it. So you can scroll through. You can literally just put in a frame number. Right. So if you're watching the movie, just 
press pause on the movie, you'll see roughly what frame you're at or how many minutes into it you're at. And then you just go to our website, therightsharekiller.com slash NFTs, and you can put in a frame number and um, you can just bring it up and click on it. They're all available on rareable.com. As I said, we minted on the Polygon blockchain. Um, so you just go through that and um, find the frame you want, click on it, and um, it'll take you over to Rarible and you just, you just buy it through Rarible. So yeah, well, right there, what you're looking at, yeah, you can search by scene. So if you just have a particular scene you like, you can find it that way, or you can search by a particular frame ID or time code. And we've even added the search by scene at the bottom of that. There's also a search by actor. We've added a couple of actors in there too that had fan bases that specifically wanted some frames of those actors. Um, so that's probably the easiest way to do it, I'd say. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, I appreciate Ashley you coming on. Is there any last sharing thoughts that you want to have for, for the audience? Yeah. So I, and I, I offer this to anybody listening. If you want a free frame from the movie, again, just go to that website, rightsharekiller.com slash NFTs. And then we'll happy to give out, let's say the first hundred people um, that, that sign up for a frame, we'll give them a frame. And I think you mentioned you were going to create some sort of a sign up list, but um, yeah. we just really just need Polygon address and what frame you want. You can use that little tool on our website. All right. So we'll go ahead and we're actually going to create a way for you to tell us what frame um, for you to share your address so that we can go ahead and, uh, and get those over. If you submit and you happen to be the 101 first version of it. I'm sorry, but we'll let you know if that actually happens. And thanks again, Ashley. I appreciate all the time and, and diving into this with us today. Ted, I really appreciate it as well. Thank you for having me on and, and just being willing to listen to my story. I know it's a sort of a crazy project and uh, we're definitely trying to get word out there. So it's very much appreciated. I'm really liking to seeing how the financial technology space and other industries are starting to cross each other. And I saw this as being a really good way to share that with the audience. Mm -hmm. So perfect. I really do appreciate it. Support provided by MPC 2023, the premier event for payments leaders. It's your chance to shake hands and rub shoulders with the world's top experts in payments, loyalty, blockchain, digital currencies, cybersecurity, consumer privacy, and other emerging fintech solutions, connecting you directly with the future of commerce. Mark your calendars for August 23rd through the 25th and join me and Fintech Confidential at the Westin Atlanta Perimeter North. Now here's the best part. When you sign up for Fintech Confidential notifications, you will receive a discount up to 100% off. Yeah, you heard it right, up to 100% off. So what are you waiting for? Sign up now at www.fintechconfidential.com forward slash notifications. Don't let the future of commerce pass you by and join me at MPC in Atlanta from August 23rd through the 25th, where it's all about the movement of money. This has been a production of Diamond D3 Media with all rights reserved. This is provided for informational purposes only. It is, it is not offered or intended to be used as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. We strive to provide accurate and up-to-date information, but will not be responsible for any missing facts or inaccurate information. You comply and understand that you should use any of this information at your own risk. Cryptocurrencies are highly volatile financial assets, so research and make your own financial decisions.